You're listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. The Wayne County foreclosure auction is fast approaching, which means hundreds of homeowners could lose their houses in the auction due to tax foreclosure. A lot of renters could lose the roofs over their heads simply because their landlords have become delinquent, very delinquent, on their taxes. A recent ACLU of Michigan suit said homeowners were needlessly losing their homes to foreclosure. The settlement of that suit included chances for homeowner occupants to buy their homes back for $1,000. In the meantime, Wayne County says it's trying to help people keep their homes as well. Part of that initiative is a program called Action Before Auction, which is essentially the last stop before the auction block. This is the second year of that program, which county officials say has been pretty successful despite some criticism. They hope this year will be even more successful with many of those criticisms being addressed. But the program might also be at risk of being discontinued. Joining us now to talk more about tax foreclosure and this particular program in Wayne County is Daniel Rosenbaum. He is the director of the Wayne County Land Bank. Daniel, welcome to Detroit Today. Welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, also here is Khalil Rahal, who is the Economic Development Director for Wayne County. Khalil, welcome back to Thanks. Detroit Today. Thanks for having me. Good to see, Good you. see you. So let's start with uh, what this program is and how it works. Sure. Well, mm-hmm. I mean, if, uh, I think I appreciate you bringing this topic up to everybody's mm-hmm. uh, sort of forefront here. You know, foreclosures are devastating, right? Mm-hmm. Um, they deteriorate neighborhoods. They create blight. They obviously her revenue, they, mm-hmm. they hurt property taxes. When a property gets foreclosed on, it drops the value of that property, but it also drops all the values of the property. Everybody around it, around it right? right? It spreads like a disease. And it, when you have thousands of foreclosures, that can really affect the county, uh, particularly a county that has its main source of revenue from property taxes. Property taxes, sure. And one thing you'll appreciate, because you know this subject so well, is with laws like Headley and Prop A, mm-hmm. right, we lose those revenues. There's no floor. You're not getting them back. You're not getting them back, not for a really long time. Right. So this is obviously a very, very important issue uh, for the county. The other thing is when properties go to the auction, they have really, really bad outcomes. Last Friday, a great article came out of the Free Press that we read. It said, yeah, by Allie Gross. Right. Yeah. 90% of properties between 2005 and 2015 are purchased by speculators. Mm-hmm. 69% of those properties are likely to end up back in the auction. <laughs> a quarter of the nice properties uh, are blighted within one year. 78 properties that are occupied become vacant a year later. Yeah. And those are devastating numbers. So what we tried to do at the county was we tried to create a program to intervene, uh, sort of like an intervention, yeah. action before the auction, where the county exercises its right of refusal. We did it on 141 properties last year. And where the properties are vacant, we require a development agreement with developers and nonprofits to say, hey, you have to have a minimum amount of investment into these properties so those values don't drop. Right, right. And hopefully when they sell, they set the new comps in the neighborhood, right? For Occupied, we have different buckets and eligibility requirements where developers and nonprofits have to work with the occupants. And a year later, or less, a little bit less than a year later, the, the program has yielded a lot of great results. Mm-hmm. So far, there's been $3.7 million of investment into properties that have gone through this program. Half the properties, about half the residential properties, about 64 of them, uh, we determined were technically occupied. 49 or about 77% of the occupied properties received a favorable outcome. They are either a long-term owner with money in savings accounts or escrow with uh, housing assistance programs, 
they are renters renting under a better set of circumstances, mm-hmm. or they received relocation assistance. They are not on the street. So uh, this program has done some really, really great things so far, we think. Uh, we've made improvements to the program. I think it's going to only get better as time goes on. Yeah. Uh, Daniel, talk about some of the criticisms that were leveled at the program and what you guys have done to try to improve it. Sure. Glad to do that. So there were a few couple main main criticisms that we took a lot of effort to address over the past year. And more broadly, I'll just say that uh, last year's was a pilot program that we hope to learn from. And mm-hmm. we really did learn a lot, even though we've seen a lot of success at the same time. So over the last year, we've been engaging with every stakeholder we could. We held community meetings. We held feedback meetings with the participants from the pilot. We talked with governmental officials and the treasurer's office, the county, and we tried to say, okay, what, what, what's good? What can we improve on? What can we do better? Uh, two main areas uh, that we've really worked on. One is process. Uh, last year, it was sort of a, a, a scrambled timeline. We didn't have as much time to roll out this program. Uh, this year, we started in January. We started working with county uh, commission and county commission staff in January. We put out an RFQU, which is a request for qualification in March. And that means that we decided who was involved in this program through a very formal process. So we had a, a, a process where we had people submit responses. We evaluated them. We scored them. And we came up with some really great participants, community groups, nonprofits, and for-profit organizations that mm-hmm. are all really well-suited to participate. Mm-hmm. So that was one big change. Another big change is stakeholders told us, and we agreed that we could put even more philanthropy into this program. We could do even more to help uh, occupied properties, people who lived in foreclosed homes, especially those most, most distressed foreclosed homes. And what we added was a second track to the program. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. now there's a track A and a track B, as we call it, and track A is the priority track. It's only foreclosed occupied homes. And anyone who is involved in track A, the participant, the nonprofit, the developer, whomever, is is acting in a philanthropic manner. So yeah. they're going to lose money by working with these people, helping keep them in the home, helping turn them into long-term free and clear owners, and giving them education, resources, help saving for taxes, resources about maintaining properties and avoiding deferred maintenance issues long-term. And this is really, we see it as kind of a bundle package, a package to really help people not just stay in their home this year, but to stay in their home next year and for years to come. Yeah. Why is the program uh, at risk and what's the next step uh, in that process? So right now where the program stands is, is for the most part, we're ready to go. Uh, we have agreements with all the participants. Uh, we've already, in fact, started working with some people living on these foreclosed properties. Uh, the next step is today we do have um, a, a county commission meeting, a committee of the whole meeting, and uh, that's that's really where we're going to be asking county commission to approve the properties under this program. Uh-huh. The mm-hmm. way it works legally is that uh, the land bank is, we're, we're the ones who have uh, plan on monitoring the program. Uh, we're going to do oversight. We're the ones who monitor the purchase agreements, but it's county commission that needs to exercise the ROR, which yeah. is the legal requirement to take these properties out to start that intervention process and keep them from going to auction. Yeah. This is Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guests are Daniel Rosenbaum. He's the director of the Wayne County Land Bank. Uh, also with us is Khalil Rahal, who is the economic development director for Wayne County. We are talking about a county <coughs> program called Action Before 
auction and an effort to intervene in the tax foreclosures that unfold each fall here in the city of Detroit and Wayne County that really drive the blight that we see in many of the neighborhoods around the city. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call. Tell us what you think about tax foreclosure. Uh, tell us if you're someone who's participated in this program or some of the others around town to try to stop tax foreclosures from helping or from happening. Uh, also, uh, give us a call and tell us what you think the big picture alternatives might be to tax foreclosure, the things that we might do that might stop us from getting into this kind of situation in the first place. As always, the number on the phones is 313-577-1019. That's 313-577-1019. 1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there, or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today, and we will work you into the conversation. Uh, Khalil, before we get to the phones, uh, I, I want to ask you about something that County Executive Warren Evans said the last, well, not the last time he was on the program, <laughs> but uh, probably about a year and a half ago when we were talking about foreclosure. Um, and we were talking about the money that the county gets off of this process. And yeah. it's a lot of, it's not a small number. Um, sure. and, and the fact that that in some ways props up the county's budget. And right. that if you were to remove that by stopping tax foreclosures, the county would face financial problems that it doesn't have right now. Uh, he, he described um, he described the, the, the situation as accepting blood money, mm-hmm. uh, which yeah. I thought was a very powerful term to use right. uh, and said that he would like to see it stopped. I, I wonder, you know, this is a year, year and a half later. I wonder if you feel like we're headed toward uh, a, a solution that would that would stop this and also whether you think the county could countenance that. In other words, how would the county stay solvent if we Great. got rid of tax foreclosure? Uh, you know, excellent question. I think actually... Um, that this program is evidence of the county executive's position. See, what happens is when the county exercises its right of refusal, it, it, it has to do it at the back taxes price. Mm-hmm. If they were to go to auction, people would bargain for them, the, the money would go up, and you're right, that money would go to the DTRF fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so one can argue that this program uh, takes away money from the DTRF fund, thus taking away money from our general fund. I don't think that that's a bad financial decision. I think that is short-sighted. Fact of the matter is our main source of, pro- of revenue is property taxes. Property taxes, As we just said, right? What did we just say? We said when properties get foreclosed on, the values drop. Mm -hmm. Spreads like a disease throughout the neighborhoods. Headley and Prop A, 70% of properties that go to the auction end up back in the auction. 90% are purchased by speculators who do nothing with these properties. So we have anecdotal evidence that this is going to happen. Then there is a real social and financial element to this as well. People are occupied in these homes. When and if they get kicked out, that is a both social and financial cost drain mm-hmm, mm-hmm. on governments that have to provide social services to these to these folks. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I think anybody that says that uh, that you know it's bad policy that we have to send properties to the auction, knowing the outcomes of the auction, um, in order to pad the DTRF, I do think it's like accepting blood money. Um, and you know, this isn't an unusual set of circumstances nationwide, right? Like. I don't know any place that has the answer. So by law, the treasurer has to uphold the law. People don't pay their taxes. The treasurer, by law, has to do something about it, and that's the foreclosure process. Mm -hmm. That being said, we're often in this awful conundrum. Do we kick people out? Sometimes keeping them in is the best thing to do with that property because, again, the values. 
and the truth is, we haven't seen an example nationwide that really attacks this problem uh, in, a, in a very solvent way. Our administration is taking on some real creative ideas to help get us back on financial uh, stability. And this is, again, a pilot program on a very small scale that we'd like to test out. Um, and so, you know, I'm not saying that this is the cure, mm -hmm. but when you take properties and you prevent them from going to the problem, you bring developers and nonprofits in with their capital, with their experience, you require minimum amounts of investment and you keep people in their homes, that's at least a better it's situation a right. at the very least than, than the problem and the, the routine that we've been going through for decades. Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Let's go to Jonathan in Detroit. Jonathan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thank you for having me. Uh -huh. um, so as um, your guest mentioned, the main source of revenue for the county is property taxes. And I think we would be remiss to not talk about the illegal taxation of low-income residents in the city of Detroit, which has propped up the county's budget. Mm -hmm. um, and I would also ask that we not say that no other city has the answer because Detroit is wholly unique in that in this year where the mayor is saying that we've reduced tax foreclosures by 90%, we still have 1,500 occupied homes going to auction. Mm -hmm. Now, in the past 10 years, we have displaced more people through foreclosures through Hurricane Katrina. And it is purely because of illegal taxation. It's because of faulty mortgages. It's because of the fact that the city has not committed to pulling homes out of the auction that never should have had to go to the auction in the first place because the taxes that are delinquent were taxes that were illegally over-assessed. Mm -hmm. And until we get to that issue, I think it's difficult for the county or the land bank to claim that it's trying to help low-income residents, when really, for the past decade or so, it's been doing the exact opposite. Hmm. Uh, Jonathan, I really appreciate the call uh, and the comments. Uh, Daniel, Khalil, I'll give you a chance to answer that. Well, yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a, it's actually uh, brought up a lot of good points. What, what I like to look at is um, there are certainly other factors in the world that need to get solved to help solve this problem, right? Uh, we are trying to do what we can with the resources that we have. The, the treasurer's office in foreclosures is technically a separate office, mm -hmm. uh, and they have laws that they have to abide by. Uh, if the city of Detroit's assessments are too high, that the county isn't assessing those, those properties. The city of Detroit's assessing those properties. And I think he's right. The mayor is doing something uh, really excellent about, about a lot of that. Um, and I think where we're trying to help, again, is if we don't act, if we don't take action before the auction, the properties will go to auction and they will continue to have the problems that the caller had just described. Mm -hmm. uh, and so uh, I'm not saying that this is going to stop foreclosures. I'm not saying that this is going to stop uh, uh, you know, the problem completely. But we know it is a better outcome, yeah. and so we're trying to help. Yeah, go ahead, Daniel. Sure, and I would just add to that. Uh, we're talking, and Khalil mentioned the concept of an intervention, and action before auction is trying to intervene before the auction after foreclosure occurs. Uh, the great points raised by this caller, we're talking about intervention even earlier, mm -hmm. even before foreclosure. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And from a land bank perspective, when we're not running this program, we're a landholder of last resort. We have properties that foreclosed and went to auction, didn't sell there, were offered for free to the local municipality, weren't accepted, and then come to our inventory. Mm -hmm. So when we see, we see really the, the end result of this whole process, and we have to serve 
as a, as a steward of very blighted properties. We have to serve as a social service uh, workers and law enforcement for people living there. And, and when we see that at the end, our goal is intervene as early as possible. Mm-hmm. So this program is trying to intervene much earlier than we have been able to in the past. And what the caller is suggesting, and we support, and the earlier we can intervene, absolutely right. the possible we do so. I think one of the things that uh, Jonathan is trying to get at, though, as well, is the legal context in which all sure. of this takes place. And then the settlement uh, that was reached between the ACLU uh, and Wayne County that, that, uh, you know, that says, here, we're going to do it differently. I think what he's wondering is, if there's an agreement that, that the legal context for this was pretty shaky to begin with because of overassessments, then the question of going forward this year with uh, tax foreclosures really questions, I guess, or, or bumps up against uh, the, the, the dynamics that were trying to be created by that settlement. Does yeah, that make sense? I, I think they believe the settlement's between the city of Detroit and ACLU. Uh, right, the and, city of Detroit and, and the, uh, the 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 thing is that the county is a big county. It hits 1.75 million people. There are 670-some thousand people in the city of Detroit. There is over a million people in Wayne County mm-hmm. outside the city of Detroit. Uh, and so not all those properties will qualify for the settlement. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so for those properties that don't qualify for the settlement, some of them are still occupied. Right. Uh, again, uh, the, the, we're, we're very happy that uh, that they're talking right. about some, the settlement. Some properties qualify for that settlement and won't be uh, part it, of this. It anymore. won't be a part of it. Yeah. Right, exactly. So what what are we, we're, we're stuck with a choice here um, because the settlement happened so quickly and because uh, the statute and the laws in place require the treasurer to put properties up into the auction. Uh, are we to say, let's not do anything? Mm-hmm. Let's let the properties go to auction? Or can we take action right now to even help those that do not qualify or that qualify just haven't had time to to be a part of that settlement? And that's, I think, where, what we uh, what we decided. Okay. Daniel Rosenbaum, director of the Wayne County Land Bank, thank you for being here on Detroit Today. Thank you. And Khalil Rahal, economic development director for Wayne County, thank you for being here as well. Thank you. Up next, we're going to talk to a couple of community activists who have been looking closely at the tax foreclosure issue for several years now here in Detroit. Stay with us and stay with us on the phones. Michael and Port Huron, Dom in Detroit, Mike Downriver, and Anthony in Belleville. We will get to you next. Stay with us on Detroit Today. listening to Detroit Today on 1019 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. We are talking about tax foreclosure. It is tax foreclosure season here in southeast Michigan, and we're talking about the effect that it has on our communities, the the way in which it drives blight in the city of Detroit, and trying to get some ideas about how we might do this in a more humane way way in the city of Detroit. Think of all of the people, all of the families who end up losing their homes because of tax foreclosure. Uh, we just heard from Daniel Rosenbaum, who's the director of the Wayne County Land Bank, and Khalil Rahal, 
who is the Economic Development Director for Wayne County, about a program called Action Before Auction, uh, which intends to try to interrupt the process of tax foreclosure. Now we want to talk with a few activists who have been really involved in this space for several years. Jerry Paffendorf is the CEO of Loveland, an advocacy group to help residents fight off tax foreclosure. Jerry, welcome to Good morning. today. Thank you. Uh, and Michelle Oberholzer is a housing advocate and community organizer here in Detroit. Michelle, welcome to Detroit today. Good morning. Thank yeah. you. Uh, great to see you both. Uh, I, I first want to get you guys to talk a little about something I was just talking about with the other two guests, which is the continuation of tax foreclosure, uh, the fact that it's still going on, even though we have this settlement yeah. uh, between the ACLU and the city of Detroit, which I think is a huge step forward. Um, uh, we still have lots of people who are who are facing this this problem. I, I would really love to have each of you talk about what the ultimate solution is for this. Uh, is it is is there some uh, lever we can pull that would stop this, uh, but also not rob the city or the county of needed tax revenue in order to provide services. Uh, Michelle, I'll start with you. Wow, what a big question! Yeah, um, no, it's a very easy you know, question, right? <laughs> what I what I have for a long time wanted, you know, we used to struggle with really incorrect assessments, mm -hmm. and those have since been changed. But we understand that they're not retroactive. So many people are paying. People who lost um, their homes because of many that. Many people have already lost their yeah. homes. Many people are still keeping afloat, trying to pay on debts based on over assessments, which have then been subject to 18% interest over the course of multiple years. And uh, one way to, to solve this legislatively would be to reintroduce the payment plan called the SEVSPA, which we had for a little while. It was not implemented at a very high level. Mm -hmm. But what this did is it said you shouldn't be underwater on your uh, assessment. You know, So if your back taxes exceed your uh, SEV, your state equalized value, then we'll cut it to that level. This is something the mayor supported strongly mm -hmm. and just didn't really get implemented. And I would like to see that now that we do have uh, much more appropriate assessments than we had at the time when it was originally implemented, uh, I always like to say, you know, we, we I understand we need tax money. Mm -hmm. uh, we also have a self-destructive process. Yes. You know, we, we punish some, we cut off our nose to spite our face. We have homeless people, peopleless homes. So what do we do? We do need to hold people to a standard, but we need to make sure that when we levy taxes, it's on the basis of something real. And so adjusting the assessments um, and making sure that there's some retroactivity there once that has been corrected is going to be really important. Yeah. And there's a huge need to uh, inform individuals of, of these processes. You know, we have a problem where the city and the county have their own um, separate functions and mm -hmm. they, they're separate. And I think that causes untold problems. Um, and then, I, I don't know, I could, I could go on. I'll let Jerry speak. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Uh, Jerry, uh, I, I brought up with uh, Khalil and Daniel the comments that uh, Wayne County Executive Warren Evans made on right. this program, I think it was a year, year and a half ago, yeah. about it, it being blood money uh, yeah. that they were accepting uh, yeah. from this process. And, and I remember you tweeting about that, and I've seen since then you bringing that up several times. Uh, if it's blood money, how do we, how do we stop them from, from taking it? I mean, maybe we need to change the law here. So for the listeners, real short story, annually Wayne County makes 30 to $40 million a year that they would not make if people pay their taxes on time. Right, right. And so for years, it had kind of built up into a big fund. There were hundreds of millions of dollars that came from 
late payments, penalties, interests, fees, auction proceeds, all of the stuff of being the debt collector. And then when Wayne County went through its recovery plan to get out of state oversight, they transferred hundreds of millions of dollars out of that fund mm -hmm. into the general fund mm -hmm. and then declared a, a surplus or a profit right. from that. Um, so it took me forever to get this information because one thing, I'll just say this up front because I want people to hear it, I really feel like this process needs an independent council that is staffed by people from around Wayne County, mm. Detroit, Highland Park, Inkster, other communities that are, that are more affluent as well and deal with less of this, who has the mandate to be able to ask questions of the county, follow the data, how many people are delinquent, how is the money being collected, is the county doing everything that it can to get people out of foreclosure, are the cities doing everything they can to get the property taxes paid right. on time? Right. Because that's where all of this comes from. So really from. kind of a, uh, an oversight. Uh, an oversight, because well, I'll just say, look, the, the, the county has a very hard job. And I know that this is disturbing to them because it's a, it's a systematic flaw and they're trying to do good work inside of it. Right. But we, we have not yet achieved what I would call catharsis, where there is honesty about this. Right. There's, there's a lot of spin. There's a lot of putting paint on top of stuff. Currently, what you're seeing with the auction is you're, you, we are getting better at diverting properties from the auction. So if you look back a few years, we had you know, 24,000 properties in the auction, and we're pushing that down every year through mm -hmm. payment plans, mm -hmm. better door-to-door -door outreach, the work that Michelle and UCHC do, the neighbor-to-neighbor yeah. -neighbor program. All that stuff is getting better at getting properties out of the auction, owner buybacks, renter buybacks. I want to give people a stat about what we're looking at next year, though. So for 2018... We had 36,000 tax foreclosure notices in the city of Detroit. For 2019, I just ran the numbers last night, it's more than 53,000 properties are subject to foreclosure. Right. So we're seeing the number at the auction go down through programs, including the, what the Wayne County Land Bank sure. just, just talked about. But we're seeing the number of people in tax distress, tax delinquency churning still in that going. system, paying interest, paying penalties, paying fees, creating the surplus for the county. And none of that surplus right now is being spent to solve the to root, solve the problem. To solve sure. the problem. And so yeah. I really do feel like there should be laws, there should be rules. And in some ways, this would make it easier for the county because right now they're kind of robbing Peter to pay Paul and they know they have this rogue revenue stream, this blood money that shouldn't exist, but mm -hmm. they need to spend it. They need it for the general fund because sure. they don't want to go bankrupt. And we haven't even had that conversation yet. Right. What does it mean if Wayne County were to go yeah. and solve I mean, it? That, after would, that would not be good for citizens of Wayne County. Either, Nobody's right? even mentally prepared. because no, But the reason that they're not right now is largely off the backs of the delinquent tax collection and the, the role of being the debt collector. And so I think if we were to try to pop out of the system, we need the catharsis of honesty, first off. How is this actually working? How is the money flowing? Why aren't people paying on time? Why do we have such a culture of not paying our taxes sure. on time? What can we do to change that? And then how do we spend some of that surplus at attacking the roots of that problem? Because we're not doing that right now. It's yeah. obvious low-hanging fruit. Yeah. Go ahead, Michelle. Yeah, just a couple other points that come from uh, listening to that. Um, I, I want to celebrate when we bring the numbers down, mm -hmm. and that's it's due to many factors, one of which is just the fact that we have fewer homes and fewer homeowners to even foreclose true. upon. So, you know, even if we had zero this year, which we don't, uh, we still wouldn't be recovering from what's been lost over those previous years. And so, uh, and, and even just to divert the, what we've done is an incredible amount of work. Uh, I just want to lift up the work of UCHC, mm -hmm. the United Community Housing Coalition. Right now we're dealing with uh, hopefully 500 homes that will help the residents to become owners. 
Um, we're going to be dealing with that, implementing that over the course of at least a year, while we're also trying to support these 53,000 subject to foreclosure next year. Another side point I want to make, uh, talking about the systematic issues, is mm-hmm. we have this this system where uh, the county is the tax collector for delinquent taxes for the city, which uh, it makes sense in a lot of ways, but also it creates a system where um, there's not as much incentive on the city to collect, and there's complexity that's added when it shifts over. Mm. And so uh, even some people have suggested getting rid of the revolving tax loan fund and, and housing it all within the city of within Detroit. City, huh? That is one potential solution that could at least, even the geographic split between the different buildings could be reduced, mm-hmm. um, as well as um, increasing the incentive for the city to to uh, assess or correctly and collect uh, timely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, B on Twitter says, I did foreclosure prevention outreach going door to door earlier this year. So many of the occupants of these homes don't know foreclosure is coming. And if they do, they don't know what to do about it. It is not okay to foreclose when this is so widespread. B, thank you very much for that insight. Let's go to Michael in Port Huron. Michael, welcome to Detroit today. Hello and good morning to you. Sure. Uh, my, my comment is, I believe property taxes should be paid in a drip fashion, weekly, bi-weekly, monthly at the most. Hmm. This way nobody ever gets so far behind that they're you know, facing an insurmountable uh, bailout. Hmm. I've hmm. been through it myself and realized if I just paid it every two weeks from my credit card, I never would have noticed it gone. Wow. Can, wow. I, Michael, can I comment on that? Yeah, absolutely. Go ahead. It, I mean, it's, it's a genius idea. It makes so much sense because right now people get two bills You get two annually. bills a year, right? They're very easy to deprioritize when you're struggling to pay for other things, too, mm-hmm. because you know you've got those one-year, two-year, three-year, however many years. I don't know. I can put that off I can put it off. Now, I know that the city has recently been talking about trying to move towards monthly payments. And I like the idea of making it even more frequently if you can because this whole notion of trying to solve the problem upstream? Sure. How do you reach people earlier? Like everything we do to solve this problem has been moving from crisis to crisis. Yes. It's like, oh, the auction's happening. Crap. Everybody go door to door. And then everybody gets so exhausted because there's not that many people that work on this. There's a lot of people, but it's not that many. And then they get exhausted. You go on vacation, you come back, it's time for show cause next year. And you're just going from tragedy to tragedy. And there's all these people that are six months, a year, two years behind. If we made it easier for them to Mm. pay, if it was something that happened automatically. And this is a fascinating challenge. How do you actually make it fun to pay your taxes? Mm-hmm. Can you show that your civic participation, <laughs> what do you actually get in exchange for that? Because right, right now it feels extortive. It's like, boom, here's your big fat bill. What do you get? Well, I, I don't, can't tell I don't you. I feel like <laughs> I get very much of it, right? Yeah. Right. Actually, under state law, it's illegal to pay your property taxes early. Early, right. So that, there are ways that we could work around that with escrow accounts and if the finance industry. I've always wondered, why isn't there... Uh, of credit union that allows someone to pay on their back taxes. If you make anything less than 18% interest, you could make a profit and you could still be benefiting the property owner. We could link that with home insurance um, and all these other programs. But yeah, we need to find a way to to uh, allow people to pay earlier. I do know the city is, is working on that, and I'd mm. love to see more of it. You know, one of the things that always occurs to me about this problem is, uh, you know, in, in so many ways in Detroit, we're sort of the victims of our own historic success, uh, and that crops up in many different ways. But but this is one of them, and, and the reason that people don't pay their taxes uh, monthly is because they don't have mortgages, right? right? Uh, right. If you were still... 
uh, paying on your home, True. you would pay every month. It's just part of your mortgage bill. But there are uh, there are so many homes owned free and clear yeah. in the city of Detroit, which is a great thing, right? Well, that's something we should be able to celebrate and take advantage of. But here, it bites against folks who uh, who, who see that tax bill twice a year and think, I'm going to put that off. Can a I lot t- of this oh, is, is yeah. systematic, too, where, you know, most most of our systems are built with the understanding that at a fine uh, a real estate transaction there will be a mortgager involved and a real estate agent involved and mm-hmm. many of our transactions have neither so that creates a lot of paperwork the PTA and the PRE these basic things i call it radical paperwork because it can take me 2 minutes to fill out mm-hmm. and it can lead to you saving your home but a lot of people lack that because we don't have those third party agencies involved and, uh, you know, I, I say in Detroit, we have so much to lose and yeah. so little to spare because, to your point, we have so many homeowners, yeah. so many homes, and yet um, they're often on the brink of, of potentially of being losing lost. losing those. Yeah. 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 Uh, again, thanks very much for the call and the comments. Uh, Cosmo in Detroit, you're up next. Hi. I um, Thanks so much for having me on. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to say, I mean, it's really um, shocking, basically, to hear all your guests and you yourself to acknowledge basically the criminal level of theft that's happening in the city of Detroit. Um, you know, I've been going door to door as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't work for any organization, but I have to say, like, on the one hand, there's been no explicit admission that we have to solve the systematic issue mm-hmm. of these overassessments. Mm-hmm. It's unconstitutional. End of story. That's it. We can't be kicking people out of the homes for taxes they should have never been paying in the first place. That's the first part. The second is that the county, the city, both of them, they've refused to work with MISHTA to use the funds specifically earmarked for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Those mm-hmm. are the hardest hit funds part of the TARP bailout in 2008. We all know that the largest victims of the recession and the housing crisis were working class people sure. and black people in Detroit. And I just, I, I don't know how you, any of you can talk about this with, with, and, and even acknowledge the criminal level of negligence well, and racketeering that's going on without, with, with and, and at the same time proposing so, small little reforms. So, it's so, not going to do anything. So Cosmo, you know that. So Cosmo I, I appreciate the call and the comments. Uh, number one, the settlement between the ACLU and the city of Detroit, I think, is, is the first step to addressing the problem that you're talking about. Uh, you know, I, I, I hear what you're saying in terms of raising this to a level of criminality. That was not the legal issue at stake in that suit, and it, I doubt it would be uh, a legal issue given the way things are structured in our legal system. Uh, but at the same time, you know, uh, Cosmo's right that we aren't dealing with that big picture solution yet. I mean, no one has really come up with it. Uh, we've got well, about a minute uh, left, but, but I, I want to give both of you a chance to I would love to speak to the, to the step forward issue. It's so important. That money is there and it's for this purpose. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's very sad and frustrating to see that we've diverted so much of that money to pay for demolitions, which are more expensive than stopping a foreclosure. And of course, it's solving a problem after after the crime has been committed. Yeah. So I absolutely agree. We have one more year to spend this money. We need to work collectively to get Misha to spend that money for its intended purpose, including if there's any excesses to use that for programs like the right of refusal program that we run uh, the city of Detroit when that allows people to buy their homes back, residents and former owners alike to buy back their homes at an affordable price before yeah. they go up for auction. Yeah. I, I ahead, still, we still need this basic catharsis. It's very hard to get information out of the office. I wrote a book earlier this year called Chain of Title about 2008 and the mortgage foreclosure crisis. 
and about how people went and actually looked at the documents and found all manner of problems with how things were actually foreclosed, the mm -hmm. signatures, the dates. I went looking at the dates of the tax foreclosure paperwork. There's, if you look at this thing, there's questions on every single level. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it there, but yeah. hopefully we can get that panel Keep together. Keep working to, together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Jerry Paffendorf, CEO of Loveland, Michelle Oberholzer, housing advocate and community organizer. It was really great to have you here on Detroit Today. We're going to have you back as we get further into tax foreclosure season this year to keep talking about this. All right, that's going to do it for me today. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.